Good afternoon, this is Jennifer Everett with Pour Forth Ministries. I'd like to share a message with you called The Four Winds. The Four Winds. The wind is a very mysterious phenomena of nature. You know, sometimes it can be fearful and de destructive, or it can come as a welcoming, soft, and gentle breeze that brings that much-needed relief from the hot sun. Who can see it? Who can even understand its coming or going? Save God alone. For he alone created it, and he controls it according to his purpose. When we read God's word, we can see that it has a lot to say about the wind. In Genesis 8 and 1, it tells us that after the flood of judgment, which destroyed all of humanity, save a righteous man named Noah and his family, that it was then that God remembered Noah and caused a wind to pass over the earth so the flood waters would subside. We read in Exodus 14 and 21 that it was a mighty wind that opened up a roadway through a dangerous sea so God's people could cross over safely on dry land. And then it was another wind that drove the sea back again upon the armies of Pharaoh, destroying them. Ezekiel 37, we have a vision of the valley of dry bones and the prophet Ezekiel, who is commanded to prophesy to the wind, saying, Come, you four winds, and breathe upon these dry dead bones that they may live. In John chapter 3, we find a man, Nicodemus, who came to see Jesus. He was quite perplexed about the meaning of the new birth experience. Jesus in verse 8 says, Listen, Nicodemus, listen. Can you hear the wind? You cannot tell where it's coming from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. God's Word often uses the wind as a symbol of His Spirit. It is His Spirit that is that invisible, supernatural power that sweeps across the ages and earth, transforming human lives. It has the power to do for mankind what no other power on earth can do. In Acts chapter 2, verse 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost which is translated also to mean spirit, breath, or wind, came with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, filling the 120 believers with God's spirit, which was the fulfillment of the promise Jesus spoke of in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, to the apostles whom he had chosen after his resurrection before he ascended to heaven. Revelation 7 and 1 reads, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor the sea, nor any tree. This symbolizes a delay in the destruction that is to come upon the earth until the seals of God are placed on the believers as the impression of a signet ring on wax shows ownership, authenticity, or protection, these seals are placed on the foreheads of believers for the same purpose, signifying they belong to God, 
just as the mark of the beast will signify those who do not belong to him. The winds each have a mighty voice and a significant purpose when we read about them in God's word. The south wind is found to be the most pleasant of all the winds, but it is also the most dangerous. We call it the wind of temptation. We find the south wind in Acts 27 and 13. This describes Paul's journey toward Rome. It reads, When the south wind blew softly, supposing that it was safe to sail, the master of the ship gave the order to do so. But the ship had hardly cleared the mouth of the harbor when the wind suddenly shifted. The soft wind ceased to blow and a powerful northeast wind came down from the mountains. For fourteen days and nights, neither sun nor stars could be seen. The ship was blown through stormy seas so that all hope of being saved was abandoned until at last the ship struck the rocky cliffs on the Isle of Malta. What brought the ship to ruin? Well, it was the treacherous south wind. When the south wind blew softly, they set sail, but the south wind only tempted them out of the safety of the harbor. Temptation is no respecter of person. We all face it. Even Jesus had his own temptations. Sometimes what appears to be smooth sailing can merely be the temptation luring us into destructive waters where disaster awaits. Philippians 4 and 8 reminds us to fix our thoughts on what is true and good and right. Think on the things that are pure, lovely, and beautiful. Galatians 5.16 tells us live by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Line everything up with God's Word. Test the Spirit to see if where you're wanting to go is according to God's Word. Is it going to bring glory to God? Is it going to bring glory to His purpose? Or is it going to hinder me or someone else's spiritual walk? God only desires for us to have the things that are good for us. And if He takes something away, it's because we don't need it to fulfill His purpose. Let's talk about the north wind. What is its purpose? The north wind is the voice of judgment and the justice of God. When the prophets Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Ezekiel and others foretold the judgments coming upon Israel, they almost always came from the north, from Babylon and Assyria, the rod of God's anger. For example, Ezekiel 13 and 13 reads, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. In my wrath, I will unleash a violent wind. And in my anger, hailstones and torrents of rain will fall with destructive fury. God indeed is a God of love and mercy, but he's also a God who brings judgment against sin. God's word tells us he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still does whatever he feels necessary to fulfill his purpose, whether it be blessings or punishment. If we leave punishment against sin out, then we aren't remaining true to his word. God is love and he is forgiving. 
but love is meaningless without truth and justice. When laws are broken, they must be dealt with according to his way. He's like that natural father who disciplines his children out of his love for their own protection. The Ten Commandments are not given to punish us, but to protect us, because so many of our problems are self-inflicted. He wants to protect our happiness, not remove it. Sin brings curses and death, but obedience brings blessings in life. A well-known doctor was quoted to say, How long can society dabble in alcoholism, drug use, adultery, premarital sex, and pornography? How long can our hearts team up with lust and greed and not expect to feel the whirlwind of crime, school shootings, messy custody battles, sexually transmitted diseases, poverty, rape, broken hearts, and broken homes? How long? We can't be ignorant to the truth that these worldwide conditions will and are even now bringing judgment upon our world. God's word says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, he will also reap. In the beginning, this world was created to operate God's way, and it would have, if not for disobedience, which brought the curse of death through deception, when man failed to keep his end of the contract. And God's plan for redemption came because of his great love and mercy to reconcile mankind back unto himself. He robed himself in flesh as Jesus Christ. He was both God and man. And he offered himself upon the cross in death as a sacrificial lamb for the sins of fallen humanity. I am so thankful for his love and mercy. Our great nation founded upon those great biblical truths and honorable men who feared God has fallen far from where it began, unfortunately, into the hands of corrupt leaders and a people who call evil good and good evil. We are no longer a nation under God that trusts in God, but have substituted God for the false gods of idolatry, witchcraft, and every evil imagination of wickedness. Where man is supreme and creates his own way of life with no regard for his creator's design, or will for his life. There will be serious consequences to pay for the path our leaders and those who live against God's laws have chosen. It was said of Thomas Jefferson, one time president, when he saw the awful atrocities of the slave trade, humanity being bought and sold like sacks of flour, he said with the inspiration of a prophet, I tremble, I tremble, when I remember that God is just. Is it not true that righteousness alone exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people? Blessed be the nation whose God is the Lord. It's time to tremble when we hear the sound of the mighty north wind. It's time to tremble when we remember that there is a righteous judge of our universe who cannot condone sin, or turn his back upon it, for he is God. What about the east wind? What is the message of the east wind? The east wind speaks. He says, I am the wind of affliction and trial. 
The east wind is the most penetrating and uncomfortable of all the winds. It was through the east wind that Jonah, the reluctant preacher, learned compassion and sympathy towards a wicked lost city who were ignorant to God's laws and upcoming judgment to come if repentance was not found. He said, Repent, repent, or in forty days Nineveh will be destroyed. That was his powerful sermon to the people, so powerful that it brought the whole city to its knees in repentance. But poor Jonah, he develops a bad attitude when his message causes repentance, staying God's hand of judgment. He was more concerned about his reputation than their repentance. In Jonah 4, we find him waiting outside the city. And in verse 8, we read that the vine that had shaded him from the heat is stricken and it withered. And God sent the scorching east wind to blow upon Jonah. And the sun beat down upon his head until he grew faint and wished to die. But it was through this experience that he learned sympathy and compassion. Job had a lot to learn about God's love and mercy that he needed to have concern and understanding towards others. He learns to see people through the eyes of Christ. People like sheep without a shepherd, lost souls dying, men in despair. I am reminded of Jim Elliot's widow, Elizabeth, who had Christ's love for the Native Americans who had killed her husband while they were attempting to minister to them. She was able to push aside her own pain and show forgiveness and compassion for those who brought much pain to her life. She labored many years sharing the gospel message to them. The east wind of affliction did not destroy her love for lost souls. The east wind of affliction can either destroy us or it can propel us forward into God's purpose. Job's did. He said of his affliction, My ears had only heard about God before, but now my eyes have seen him. I've only, I've had my own with east winds many times where I too came to understand through my affliction God's great love for me and mercy for others and that his plans were to establish me in that love to show his faithfulness for other east winds that were to come in my life. He was indeed preparing me for what I needed for my present wind and future winds. I suffered deep wounds in my heart but I've learned the difference in man's love and forgiveness and God's. I truly have a greater appreciation for both. I've discovered that the purpose for our own pain is to minister to others who've been wounded. A wounded heart can heal with the Savior's ointment because it can yield compassion and empathy that is often lacking from those who have never felt the cut of affliction. I could not have yielded it uncut we've all we've heard from all the winds but there is one more wind what about the west wind i find the west wind mentioned in a very strange place in god's word exodus 10 where pharaoh refused to let god's people go we read that god smote the land with 10 plagues the eighth of these was locusts giant grasshoppers the east wind brought the swarm of locusts which devoured the land and stripped the leaves from the trees. This plague was more than any, any other up to this point. 
It softened the heart of Pharaoh for a little while. He calls Moses and Aaron and says, I have sinned against the Lord your God. Therefore, forgive my sin and employ the Lord your God to take away this plague. We're told that Moses prayed in verse 13, and the Lord sent a mighty west wind to blow the locusts out and bury them in the Red Sea so that none remained in all the coast of Egypt. We can see God's mercy and compassion in the west wind. It is a wind that blows over every praying and repentant soul. God uses all the winds to bring about his purpose, but his favorite is the west wind because he loves mercy and grace. God is quick to draw back his judgment whenever man's heart is repentant because the whole plan of God is to reveal himself to man and to reconcile man back to him. His love reaches far and as long as he can before he executes discipline and judgment. Even to the old proud, haughty, idol-worshipping Pharaoh, whenever he said, I have sinned, God sent the west wind of mercy. And only when Pharaoh hardened his heart again did God release the north wind of judgment. Listen to the voice of the west wind as it blows through the word. We hear it speak through Zacchaeus, the little man who climbed the tree just to see Jesus. Afterwards, he makes a confession of his sin and desires to make things right with others. He heard the sound of the west wind when Jesus said, Today, salvation has come to your house, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus was an example of Jesus' personal earthly mission to bring salvation to the lost. He may have been a despised tax collector to others, but to Jesus, he needed the wind of salvation. When the prodigal son came to his senses in a far country, he said, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no more worthy to be called your son. He was carried on the winds of the west wind back to his father's house. The woman taken in adultery faced the death penalty of being stoned to death. We see her weeping, fearful at the feet of Jesus, waiting for the first stone to strike her. But instead, she heard the west wind blow in the words of Jesus. He who is without sin cast the first stone. And as the stones dropped from her conscious smitten accuser's hands, she heard Jesus say, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. A dying thief, when he repented and turned to Jesus, saying, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Immediately the west wind caught him and carried him away from that blood-stained cross to the peace and glory of paradise. Jesus was faithful unto his mission of reaching the lost, even while at the threshold of death. From the tax collector, adulterer, to the thief, he loved them all equally. The four winds are worth their message. Beware of the south wind of temptation. When the south winds of ease, flattery, prosperity, and worldly pleasures blow softly, we must stay close to our Savior. Heed the call of the north wind. Remember the way of the transgressor is hard. The wages of sin is death. There is a high water mark beyond which evil cannot rise.
God will have the final word in righteous judgment. Heed the east wind of affliction and sorrow. God never promises his children an easy road. Sometimes the Lord has to discipline his children, but he does so in love and he tempts the wind to shorn the lamb. He promises that his strength and his grace is sufficient in our time of need. But above all, listen to the west wind of God's mercy and grace. We cannot forget that we are sinners by nature and by choice. But we have a hope because of God's mercy extended to us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Once we are reborn in Christ through the new birth experience, we are cleansed and forgiven, recreated in the image of Christ. Pardon all our transgressions are removed forever. As far as the east is from the west, gone forever. We no longer have to walk alone through this world of darkness, but have a comforter, Jesus Christ, his spirit, the most powerful of all the winds, the wind of mercy and grace dwelling inside of us. Only it has the power to save us from the wind of judgment if we yield to its leading and obeying it according to God's word. It will help us to resist the winds of temptation, to pass the test of trials and affliction that are a part of our journey here on earth. Jesus says in Matthew 7 and 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded upon the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. The Holy Spirit is the author and interpreter of the Scriptures. The original church in the book of Acts was built upon the inspired word of God, upon the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, Ephesians 2 and 20. The prophecy of the Old Testament prophets and the teachings of Christ were fulfilled in the apostles' doctrine, which became the doctrine of the original New Testament church. Faith in God's word, Repentance to God with divine forgiveness, water baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, Holy Spirit baptism evidenced by speaking in tongues, standards for holiness and divine healing. Jesus Christ commissioned the apostles to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized, he said, will be saved, Mark 16 and 15. This was the same gospel given to Peter who preached it in Acts chapter 2 and 38. The apostle Paul warned in 1 Timothy 1 and 3. He said, teach no other gospel. But though we or an angel preach any other gospel unto you, then what we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Galatians 1 and 8. John gave his warning also in 2 John 1 and 10 and 11. He said, If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. We the apostles are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us.
Hereby know that we, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, 1 John 4 and 6, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, John 8 and 32. It is the spirit of truth, the wind of God's word when obeyed, that will save us from all the other winds of destruction. These truths are the building of a solid rock foundation upon which no winds can destroy. All else is false doctrine, false hope, sinking sand. Build your house on this foundation, and you will hear him say, Well done, my good and faithful servant, in the end. Thank you, Jesus.